are listening to the most original talk radio station anywhere. We are L.A. Talk Radio at latalkradio.com. You can support Sapphire Planet by visiting the online store at sapphireplanet.com. Welcome. Your journey is just beginning. You are now entering the Sapphire Planet. Sapphire Planet. The history of biology has a long, long history made up of many players, scientists, biologists, technicians. The most significant evolutionary theory before Darwin's was that of Jean-Baptiste Lamarck, based on the inheritance of acquired characteristics, an inheritance mechanism that was widely accepted until the 20th century. It described a chain of development stretching from the lowliest microbe to humans. The British naturalist Charles Darwin, combining the biogeographical approach of Humboldt, the uniformitarian geology of Lyell, Thomas Malthus's writings on population growth, and his own morphological expertise, created a more successful evolutionary theory based on natural selection. Similar evidence led Alfred Russell Wallace to independently reach the same conclusions. The 1859 publication of Darwin's theory in On the Origin of Species by Means of Natural Selection or The Preservation of Favored Races in the struggle for life is often considered the central event in the history of modern biology. Darwin established credibility as a naturalist. The sober tone of his work and most of all the sheer strength and volume of evidence presented allowed origins of the species to succeed 
where previous evolutionary works, such as the anonymous Vestiges of Creation, had failed. Most scientists were convinced of evolution and common descent by the end of the 19th century. However, natural selection would not be accepted as the primary mechanism of evolution until well into the 20th century, as most contemporary theories of heredity seemed incompatible with the inheritance of random variation. Wallace, following on earlier work by De Condelli, Humboldt, and Darwin, made major contributions to zoo geography. Because of his interest in the transmutation hypothesis, he paid particular attention to the geographical distribution of closely allied species during his fieldwork first in South America and then in the Malay archipelago. While in the archipelago, he identified the Wallace Line, which runs through the Spice Islands, dividing the fauna of the archipelago between an Asian zone and a New Guinea Australian zone. His key question as to why the fauna of islands with such similar climates should be so different could only be answered by considering their origin. In 1876, Wallace wrote, the geographical distribution of animals, which was the standard reference work for over half a century, and a sequel, Island Life, in 1880, that focused on island biogeography. He extended the six-zone system developed by Philip Sclater for describing the geographical distribution of birds and animals of all kinds. His method of tabulating data on animal groups in geographic zones highlighted the discontinuities and his appreciation of evolution allowed him to propose rational explanations which had not been done before. The scientific study of heredity grew rapidly in the wake of Darwin's Origin of the Species, with the work of Francis Galton and the biometricians. The origin of genetics is usually traced to the 1866 work of the monk Gregor Mendel, who would later be credited with the laws of inheritance. However, his work was not recognized as significant until 35 years afterward. In the meantime, a variety of theories of inheritance based on pangenesis, orthogenesis, 
or other mechanisms, were debated and investigated vigorously. Embryology and ecology also became central biological fields, especially as linked to evolution and popularized in the work of Ernest Haeckel. Most of the 19th century work on heredity, however, was not in the realm of natural history, but that of experimental physiology. Over the course of the 19th century, the scope of physiology expanded greatly from a primary medically oriented field to a wide-ranging investigation of the physical and chemical processes of life, including plants, animals, and even microorganisms, in addition to man. Living things as machines became a dominant metaphor in biology and social thinking. Advances in microscopy also had a profound impact on biological thinking. In the early 19th century, a number of biologists pointed to the central importance of the cell. In 1838 and 1839, Sheldon and Schwann began promoting the idea that one, the basic unit of organisms is the shell, and two, that individual cells have all the characteristics of life, though they opposed the idea that three, all cells come from the division of other cells. Thanks to the work of Robert Remack and Rudolf Virchow, however, by the 1860s, most biologists accepted all three tenets of what came to be known as cell theory. Cell theory led biologists to re-envision individual organisms as interdependent assemblages of individual cells. Scientists in the rising field of cytology, armed with increasingly powerful microscopes and new staining methods, soon found that even single cells were far more complex than the homogeneous fluid-filled chambers described by earlier microscopists. Robert Brown had described the nucleus in 1831, and by the end of the 19th century, cytologists identified many of the key cell components. Chromosomes, centrosomes, mitocardia, chloroplasts, and other structures made visible through staining. Between 1874 and 1884, Walter Fleming described the discrete stages of mitosis, showing that they were not artifacts of staining, but occurred in living cells. And moreover, that chromosomes doubled in number just before the cell divided, 
and a daughter cell was produced. Much of the research on cell reproduction came together in August Wyman's theory of heredity. He identified the nucleus, in particular chromosomes, as the hereditary material, proposed the distinction between somatic cells and germ cells, arguing that chromosome numbers must be halved for germ cells, a precursor to the concept of meiosis, and adopted Hugo de Viry's theory on pangenes. Weissmanism was extremely influential, especially in the new field of exponential embryology. By the mid-1850s, the Mayasama theory of disease was largely superseded by the germ theory of disease, creating extensive interest in microorganisms and their interactions with other form of life. By the 1880s, bacteriology was becoming a coherent discipline, especially through the work of Robert Koch, who introduced methods for growing pure cultures on agar gels containing specific nutrients in petri dishes. The long-held idea that living organisms could easily originated from non-living matter, known as spontaneous generation, was attacked in a series of experiments carried out by Louis Pasteur, while debates over vitalism versus mechanism, a perennial issue since the time of Aristotle and the Greek autonomists, continued. In chemistry, one central issue was the distinction between organic and inorganic substances, especially in the context of organic transformations, such as fermentation and putrefaction. Since Aristotle, these have been considered essentially biological processes. However, Frederick Waller, Justice Liebig, and other pioneers of rising field of organic chemistry, building on the work of Lavoisier, showed that the organic world could often be analyzed by physical and chemical methods. In the year 1828, Waller showed that the organic substance urea could be created by chemical means that do not involve life, providing a powerful challenge to vitalism. Cell extracts, ferments, that could affect chemical transformations were discovered, beginning with 
dioceses in 1833. By the end of the 19th century, the concept of enzymes was well established, though equations of chemical kinetics would not be applied to enzymatic reactions until the early 20th century. Physiologists, such as Claude Bernard, explored through vivisection and other experimental methods the chemical and physical functions of living bodies to an unprecedented degree, laying the groundwork for endocrinology, a field that developed quickly after the discovery of the first hormone secretin in 1902, biomechanics, and the study of nutrition and digestion. The importance and diversity of experimental physiological methods within both medicine and biology grew dramatically over the second half of the 19th century. The control and manipulation of life processes became a central concern and experiment was placed at the center of biological education. At the beginning of the 20th century, biological research was largely a professional endeavor. Most work was still done in the natural history mode, which emphasized morphological and phylogenetic analysis over experiment-based causal explanations. However, antivitalist experimental physiologists and embryologists, especially in Europe, were increasingly influential. The tremendous successes of experimental approaches to development, heredity, and metabolism in the 1900s and 1910s demonstrated the power of experimentation in biology. In the following decades, experimental work replaced natural history as the dominant mode of research. In the early 20th century, naturalists were faced with increasing pressure to add rigor and preferably experimentation to their methods. As the newly prominent laboratory-based biological discipline had done, ecology had emerged as a combination of biogeography with the biogeochemical cycle concept pioneered by chemists. Field biologists developed quantitative methods such as the quadrant and adapted laboratory instruments and cameras for the field to further set their work apart from traditional 
natural history. Zoologists and botanists did what they could to mitigate the unpredictability of the living world, performing laboratory experiments and studying semi-controlled natural environments such as gardens. New institutions like the Carnegie Station for Experimental Evolution and the Marine Biological Laboratory provided more controlled environments for studying organisms through their entire life cycles. The ecological succession concept, pioneered in the 1900s and 1910s by Henry Chandler Cowles and Frederick Clements, was an important part in early plant ecology. Alfred Latka's predatory prey equations, G. Evelyn Hutchinson's studies on the biogeography and biogeochemical structure of lakes and rivers, also known as limnology, and Charles Elton's studies of animal food chains were pioneers among the succession of quantitative methods that colonized the developing ecological specialties. Ecology became an independent discipline in the 1940s and 1950s after Eugene P. Odom synthesized many of the concepts of ecosystems ecology, placing relationships between groups of organisms, especially materials and energy relationships, at the center of the field. In the 1960s, as evolutionary theorists explored the possibilities of multiple units of selection, ecologists turned to evolutionary approaches. In population ecology, debate over group selection was brief but vigorous. By 1970, most biologists agreed that natural selection was rarely effective above the level of the individual organism. The evolution of ecosystems, however, became a lasting research focus. Ecology expanded rapidly with the rise of environmental movement. The International Biological Program attempted to apply the methods of big science, which had been so successful in the physical science, to ecosystems ecology and pressing environmental issues. While smaller scale independent efforts such as island biogeography and the Hubbard Brook Experimental Forest helped redefine the scope of an increasingly diverse discipline. 
1900 marked the so-called rediscovery of Mendel. Hugo de Vries, Karl Korins, and Eric von Tischmark independently arrived at Mendel's laws, which were not actually present in Mendel's work. Soon afterwards, cell biologists proposed that chromosomes were the hereditary material. Between 1910 and 1915, Thomas Hunt Morgan and the Drosophilists in his fly lab forged these two ideas, both controversial, into the Mendelian chromosome theory of heredity. They quantified the phenomena of genetic linkage and postulated that genes reside on chromosomes like beads on a string. They hypothesized crossing over to explain linkage and constructed genetic maps of the fruit fly Drosophila melangaster which became a widely used model of an organism. The Drosophila melagaster is still used today. Hugo de Viries tried to link the new genetics with evolution. Building on his work with heredity and hybridization, he proposed a theory of mutationism which was widely accepted in the early 20th century. Lamarckism also had many adherents. Darwinism was seen as incompatible with the continuously variable traits studied by biometricians, which seemed only partially heritable. In the 1920s and 1930s, following the acceptance of the Mendelian chromosome theory, the emergence of discipline of population genetics unified the idea of evolution by natural selection with Mendelian genetics, producing the modern synthesis, the inheritance of acquired characters was rejected, while mutationism gave way as genetic theories matured. In the second half of the 20th century, the ideas of population genetics began to be applied in the new disciplines of the genetics of behavior, social biology, and especially in humans' evolutionary psychology. In the 1960s, 
game theory was developed and used as approaches to explain altruism from an evolutionary perspective through kin selection. The possible origin of higher organisms through endosymbiosis and contrast, contrasting approaches to molecular evolution in the gene-centered view, which held selection as the predominant cause of evolution, and the neutral theory, which made genetic drift a key factor, spawned perennial debates over the proper balances of adaptationism and contingency in evolutionary theory. In the 1970s, Stephen Jay Gould and Niles Eldridge proposed the theory of punctuated equilibrium, which holds that stasis is the most prominent feature of the fossil record, and that most evolutionary changes occur rapidly over relatively short periods of time. In the 1980s, Luis Alvarez and Walter Alvarez proposed the hypothesis that an impact event was responsible for the Cretaceous Paleogene extinction event. Also in the early 80s, statistical analysis of the fossil record of marine organisms led to a better appreciation of the importance of mass extinction events to the history of life on Earth. By the end of the 19th century, all of the major pathways of drug metabolisms had been discovered, along with the outlines of protein and fatty acid metabolisms and urea synthesis. In the early decades of the 20th century, the minor components of foods and humans' nutrition, the vitamins, began to be isolated and synthesized. Improved laboratory techniques, such as chromatopography and electrophoresis, led to rapid advances in physiological chemistry, which as biochemistry began to achieve independence from its medical origins. In the 1920s and 1930s, biochemists led by Hans Krebs and Carl and Gertie Corey began to work out many of the central metabolic pathways of life. The citric acid cycle glycogenesis and glycolysis and the synthesis of steroids and porphyrins. Between the 1930s and 1950s 
Fritz Lippmann, and others. Establish the role of ATP as a universal carrier of energy in the cell and mitochondria as the powerhouse of the cell. Such traditionally biochemical work continued to be very actively pursued throughout the 20th century and into the 21st century. Following the rise of classical genetics, many biologists, including a new wave of physical scientists in biology, pursued the question of the gene and its physical nature. Warren Weaver, head of the science division of the Rockefeller Foundation, issued grants to promote research that applied the methods of physics and chemistry to basic biological problems, coining the term molecular biology for this approach in the year 1938. Many of the significant biological breakthroughs of the 1930s and 1940s were funded by the Rockefeller Foundation. Like biochemistry, the overlapping disciplines of bacteriology and virology, later combined as microbiology, situated between science and medicine, developed rapidly in the early 20th century. Felix Dierel's isolation of bacteriophage during World War I initiated a long line of research focused on phage viruses and the bacteria they infect. The development of standard genetically uniform organisms that could produce repeatable experimental results was essential for the development of molecular genetics. After early work with Drosphelia melasgaster, the fruit fly, and maize, which is corn, the adoption of similar model systems like the bread mold Neurospora crassus made it possible to connect genetics to biochemistry, most importantly with Bede and Tatum's one gene, one enzyme hypothesis in 1941. Genetic experiments on even simpler systems like tobacco mosaic virus and bacteriophage, aided by the new technologies of electron microscopy and ultra-centrifugation, forced scientists to reevaluate 
the literal meaning of life. Virus heredity and reproducing nucleoprotein cell structure outside the nucleus, plasma genes, complicated the accepted Mendelian chromosome theory. Oswald Avery showed in 1943 that DNA was likely the genetic material of the chromosome, not its protein. The issue was settled decisively with the 1952 Hershey-Chase experiments, one of the many contributions from the so-called phage group centered around physicist-turned-biologist Max Delbruck. In 1953, James Watson and Francis Crick, building on the work of Maurice Wilkins and Rosalind Franklin, suggested that the structure of DNA was a double helix. In their famous paper, Molecular Structure of Nucleic Acids, Watson and Crick noted coyly, it has not escaped our notice that the specific pairings we have postulated immediately suggest a possible copying mechanism for the generic material. After the 1958 Messelson-Stahl experiment confirmed the semi-conservative replication of DNA it was clear to most biologists that nucleic acid sequence must somehow determine amino acid sequence in proteins. Physicist George Gamro proposed that a fixed genetic code connected proteins and DNA. Between 1953 and 1961, there were few known biological sequences, either DNA or protein, but an abundance of proposed code systems, a situation made even more complicated by expanding knowledge of the intermediate role of RNA. To actually decipher the code, it took an extensive series of experiments in biochemistry and bacterial genetics between 1961 and 1966. In addition to the Division of Biology at Caltech, the Laboratory of Molecular Biology at Cambridge, and a handful of other institutions the Pasteur Institute became a major center for molecular biology research in the late 1950s. 
Scientists at Cambridge focused on the rapidly developing field of structural biology, combining X-ray crystallography with molecular modeling and the new computational possibilities of digital computing. A number of biochemists at the Cambridge lab bringing together the study of macromolecular structure and function. At the Pasteur Institute, an experiment with a series of publications regarding the LAC operon that established the concept of gene regulation and identified what became known as messenger RNA. By the 1960s, the intellectual core of molecular biology, a model for the molecular basis of metabolism and reproduction, was largely complete. In the late 1950s to the early 1970s was a period of intense research and institutional expansion for molecular biology, which had only recently become a somewhat coherent discipline. In what biologist E.O. Wilson called the molecular wars, the methods and practitioners of molecular biology spread rapidly, often coming to dominate departments and even entire disciplines. Molecularization was particularly important in genetics, immunology, embryology, and neurobiology, while the idea that life is controlled by a genetic program, a metaphor Jacob and Mondut introduced from the emerging field of cybernetics and computer science, became an influential perspective throughout biology. Immunology, in particular, became linked with molecular biology, with innovation flowing both ways. The clonal section theory, developed by Niels Jern and Frank McFarlane Burnett in the mid-1950s, helped shed light on the general mechanisms for protein synthesis. Resistance to the growing influence of molecular biology was especially evident in evolutionary biology. Protein sequencing had great potential for the quantitative study of evolution through the molecular clock hypothesis. But leading evolutionary biologists questioned the relevance of molecular biology for answering the big questions of evolutionary causations. Departments and disciplines fractured as organismic biologists asserted their importance and independence. Theodonis Dobhansky made his famous statement that nothing in biology makes sense 
except in the light of evolution as a response to the molecular challenge. The issue became even more critical after 1968. Mutu Kimura's natural theory of molecular evolution suggested that natural selection was not ubiquitous cause of evolution, at least at the molecular level, and that molecular evolution might be a fundamentally different process from morphological evolution. Resolving this molecular morphological paradox has been a central focus of molecular evolution research since the 1960s. Biotechnology, in the general sense, has been an important part of biology since the late 19th century. With the industrialization of brewing and agriculture, chemists and biologists became aware of the great potential of human-controlled biological processes. In particular, fermentation proved a great boon to chemical industries. By the early 1970s, a wide range of biotechnologies were being developed, from drugs like penicillin and steroids, to foods like chlorella and single-cell protein in gasohol, as well as a wide range of hybrid high-yield crops and agricultural technologies, the basis for the Green Revolution. Biotechnology, in the modern sense of genetic engineering, began in the 1970s with the invention of recombinant DNA techniques. Restriction enzymes were discovered and characterized in the late 1960s, following on the heels of isolation, then duplication, then synthesis of viral genes. Beginning in 1972, molecular biologists put these pieces together to produce the first transgenic organisms. Soon after, others began using plasmid vectors and adding genes for antibiotic resistance, greatly increasing the research of the recombinant techniques. Wary of the potential dangers, particularly the possibility of a prolific bacteria with viral cancer-causing gene, the scientific community as well as a wide range of scientific outsiders, reacted to these developments with both enthusiasm and fearful restraint. Prominent molecular biologists suggested a temporary moratorium on recombinant DNA research until the dangers could be assessed and policies could be created. This moratorium was largely respected until the participants of the 1975 Alsamore Conference on Recombinant DNA created policy recommendations 
and concluded that the technology could be used safely. Following the Alisamar, new genetic engineering techniques and applications developed rapidly. DNA sequencing methods improved greatly, as did all-in-a-nuclide synthesis and transfection techniques. Researchers learned to control the expression of transgenes and were soon racing in both academic and industrial contexts to create organisms capable of expressing human genes for the production of human hormones. However, this was a more daunting task than molecular biologists had expected. Developments between 1977 and 1980 showed that, due to the phenomena of split genes and splicing, higher organisms had a much more complex system of gene expression than the bacteria models of earlier studies. The first such race for synthesizing human insulin was won by Genetech, and this marked the beginning of the biotech boom, and with it, the era of gene patents, with an unprecedented level of overlap between biology, industry, and law. Your journey is now ending. You are now leaving the Sapphire Planet. Goodbye from the Sapphire Planet. Own a piece of the planet? Now you can purchase Sapphire Planet merchandise online at sapphireplanet.com.